Hello and welcome to the Muni Oral History Project, where we explore the stories and rich history of the Springfield Municipal Opera over the past 60 years. Stories from the people who have built, experienced, and performed what we'd like to refer to as Muni Magic. Sit back and relax and listen to these tales of Broadway under the stars. So excited today to get to speak to Tara Cowan-Petty, who uh, I've known for a while through the Muni. However, I think I've just scratched the surface of your actual Muni story with what I know about what your involvement has been. So I'm excited to get into this with you. But Tara, it's so nice to have you. Thanks, Greg. Good to be here. Absolutely. So we're going to get right into it. What was your first Muni experience? Now, this could be something that is like you were in the audience, you remember seeing a show, or it could be you were actually involved in a production. But what was your first time, your first memory of the Muni? My first memory, and I I will admit that I cheated and went back to the production list um, that I can think of is seeing Into the Woods in 1991. I think Doug was the wolf. Doug Hahn was the wolf. Um, Jen Jones was Little Red. I think Gus and Claire were both in that production. So just just going back to that one, I think is one of the first ones that I remember. I also vividly remember Peter Pan. And truth be told, I still have the fairy dust that I received from that production um, back in 1994, I think. So, yeah. And I was Does nine it years still help you fly? Do you just Absolutely. have to make happy fl- Absolutely. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> That's so great. That is so great. Um, what was that experience like? You, I mean, you remember it from being a small child. What, what is that experience like going out to the Muni for the first time and what kind of drew you into it? Uh, my family obviously was a big part in drawing me into it because they have been involved in shows for as long as I can remember. Um, and I think just, just knowing that it was a kind of a family thing, I would frequently go and sit in the pits um, of orchestras that my Aunt Mary Myers was conducting. Um, same thing with my uncle Richard Garrison. And if, if my mom was playing a show, Deb Watts, or, or my Aunt Rebecca Watts was playing a show, any one of those guys, I was usually out there tagging along, hey, can I come sit in the pit? Hey, can I just go sit in the audience and watch the show? It was just fun. Um, and honestly, I think what kind of introduced me to some of this stuff was watching, and my brother will tell you, Oklahoma and the Music Man every Sunday at my grandparents' house. Um, so that was kind of the intro into musicals, and then getting to see it in real life at the Muni was like larger than life, you know, it was, it was, it was real. And so that was just the excitement behind it. Awesome. Well, take me into the first show you were involved in and how you were involved in that show. Yeah. So the first show that I was involved in was actually Fiddler on the Roof in 1998. Um, and I was just a a chorus member, um, one of the family members and I had another family member that was in the show. Um, and it was, you know, it was just a blast. It was a little nerve wracking because the same season was Annie. So there was a lot of children auditioning <laughs> that year um, for that season. But I was super happy to get Fiddler on the Roof. Just, it was just a fun show. Um, I, yeah, it was, that was my first onstage show. I think the first, I can't remember the first orchestra that I played for, um, but I do know that I played Annie Get Your Gun in 2005. Um, was a was one of the earliest ones I played. Oh, Cinderella. Cinderella, I think in 2000 was the first orchestra show. And truth be told, there I still have magic dust from Cinderella in my flute case because that stuff doesn't ever go anywhere. <laughs> you can never get rid of all of it. Um, and then it's my sort first... of collection, I think. Yeah. Of <laughs> yes. all the different fairy dust, magic dust that all you have. You're hoarding exactly. it for the whole, we need it for the whole, uh, for the whole crowd, right? Yeah. Pocket full of magic. I just carry it around <laughs> with me all the time. <laughs> And my first interpreting show, um, sign language interpreting, was Ragtime in 2005. And, and that was really where it kind of stuck for me. Um, 
I was in the middle of college and Katie Miller, the other interpreter was doing the show or she was doing whatever the first show was that season. And she's like, come do it with me. And I was like, okay, I'm hooked. And so it was my favorite part of um, my interpreting degree that I got through McMurray College was music and theater. And so ragtime hooked me. um, Absolutely. Now, what was the impetus for going out and getting uh, interpreting as a degree or as a as like an educational credit behind you? Yeah. So when I was um, in grade school at Hayward's here in Springfield, they had some enrichment programs that we could take at the end of the day every day. And at the same time, there was also a program at our school for I think there was three or four deaf students that attended school in mainstream education there. And so I was just fascinated by the interpreter at our assemblies and fascinated by their education and how kids were learning differently than I was learning and how they were able to be mainstreamed and and get the same education I was getting. So that was kind of a hook when I was eight or nine, I think, and just carried it through my whole life and got my bachelor's in sign language interpreting for the deaf at McMurray. That's so great. And what I will tell you about you and Katie, seeing you do this interpreting, being there on those nights that you've been able to do that, it's like a performance. I mean, really, like you, I know that you take the script beforehand, and then that way you kind of have some understanding of the dialogue that's going to happen. You have an understanding of the songs, of course, and then you truly try to give it your all in that uh, performance of an interpretation to make sure that that audience can connect with that. So uh, thank you for that service, but also can you walk us through sort of how you go about uh, doing that? Yeah, absolutely. So like you said, we do typically get the scripts beforehand. If it's a show we've interpreted before, we don't usually ask for them because we've been there and done that. Um, but it is helpful for us to learn the words and learn the the attitude and even what, what staging cues are listed in the scripts for us to understand what's happening behind us on the stage. We don't have a script in front of us during the actual performance. Um, we do attend a lot of rehearsals ahead of time to learn whoever's playing a certain role, we learn their voice. Same thing with singing because their singing voices can sound much different than their speaking voices. So we do, um, we trade off characters. We kind of lay that out at the beginning. Hey, I'm going to be all of the male characters. Hey, I'm going to be all the females. If that doesn't work because of character interaction, we we have specific roles that we play um, and that we know that I always interpret for this role. I always interpret for that role. And then we, we attend a lot of the rehearsals, like I said, and then um, come performance night, we are on a platform just in, up in front of the stage um, with a spotlight on us so that our deaf and hard of hearing patrons can see us clearly. And then we just go with it. Um, and, and it's credit to the, to the actors and to the staff of the show because we get to learn along with them and what they have put together for six to eight weeks. We come in kind of two to three weeks before and just pick up on everything they've put together and created. And then we get to act it out um, for, for the patrons. And it's, it's my favorite part. And as you mentioned, you, you are involved in so many different ways, but I was so excited to talk to you about this interpreting first. And so that's why I keep having these questions about this, but have you had uh, patrons, like maybe reoccurring patrons that really appreciate this, that they're able to go and experience this because of the interpretation that you do uh, or any like fun stories or anything like that related to that, that you'd like to share? Yeah, we have had some recurring um, patrons throughout the years. And like I said, I've been doing this since 2005. And I know Katie was involved previously on on kind of some random performances. And then it kind of became a staple. Hey, this is something we're going to offer every season. 
Um, and I, I can't think of any specific one patrons specifically, but, but we do have some that say, oh, my family member does a lot of shows out here. I didn't know this was a service. Thank you for doing this. And now they come routinely when they're, when their family members involved. Um, or sometimes we have people who are hard of hearing, who just kind of need a little bit of assistance, understanding what's happening on the stage. And even if they don't know sign language, because of our body language, because of our facial expressions, because of how we're interacting with each other, they can pick up what, what is being said uh, on stage. And, and yeah. Yeah. And like I said, it's like a performance and, and you're not trying to distract from what's on the stage. Right. Uh, I just find myself fascinated in kind of my eye goes over towards you during those performances only because it's just so interesting to me to see, uh, having no knowledge really of ASL, it's really cool to see that come to life uh, in that kind of a way. So that yeah. is all wonderful. Thank you. So now we get to go back and talk about some of the other ways that you've been involved. Uh, you mentioned that you go to this kid's audition back in 1998 for Fiddler on the Roof. And then also Annie is up at that time as well. Uh, talk to me about that first audition process, that experience that you had uh, being cast in Fiddler on the Roof. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the auditions for the kids was, I can't remember the name of the church. It was in a basement of a church. Could have been my church for all I know. <laughs> um, and there were hundreds of little girls mostly auditioning for a role in Annie. Wasn't really my goal to be in Annie. I just thought this would be fun to be on stage. I've never done it. My family members have done it. This should this would be fun. So um, I we had to sing It's a Hard Knock Life. We sang it four times. We learned choreography at the same time and we we just knocked it out. Um, it was, I don't remember who played the song for us. Could have been my mom, could have been my aunt. Could have been Dave Barnes, could have been a number of people who typically accompany and play for auditions. Um, but it was it was intense, um, but also really, really fun to get to be a part of it. So, yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed Fiddler on the Roof. Any uh, tips or tricks that you think you could pass along from those audition experiences that you had? Yeah, auditions have changed a lot since then. So, yeah. I, you know, that was when there was a lot of people in the room during those auditions. And same thing with the adult auditions at that time. Um, one of my favorite memories was finishing the St. Patrick's Day Parade in marching band and then going and sitting and watching adult auditions when they were open to the public. As far as tips and tricks, um, work with an accompanist ahead of time. Talk to someone about what you're going to sing. If it's a song from the shows that are being offered that season, great. But maybe that one of those songs doesn't show your full range or your abilities. So talk with someone who's been involved and who can kind of point you in, hey, this song would be really good for you, or this is what they really like to see. Um, yeah, just utilize the people that are available, I think. But from, from the music perspective, have an accompanist that, that knows the stuff and can, can kind of help guide you. And of course, your mom is one of those she uh, is. that all she the time she's bailed me out so many times <laughs> in those auditions for sure. Yeah. Uh, that's just that's just also wonderful. So, what other uh, roles have you been able to have? Have you had other shows that you've been a part of on the cast side of things before we go to your orchestra side? The well, I I was um, as far as uh, cast support, I was a dresser for my aunt Rebecca when she was in the Goodbye Girl. Um, as a lead. And then the most recent uh, onstage support was for my dog, Polly, who played Bruiser in Legally Blonde in 2018. So proud stage mom. <laughs> Absolutely. And how many times has Polly played Bruiser? Polly played Bruiser four times mm. um, throughout Springfield and Chatham. Yeah, that's wonderful. Yes. Uh, wonderful. So now let's move on to more of the musical side of things and sitting in the orchestra pits and being able to play with members of your family. 
Can you tell me about some of those experiences that you've had? Yeah, absolutely. Um, being in the orchestra, hanging out in the orchestra pit is one thing because you don't have any responsibilities when you're like 10 or 12. You just get to sit and hang and, and learn from all these really, really great professional musicians. Being in the orchestra when your aunt or your uncle is conducting you, whew, the, the pressure is real. Um, and with even with my mom or my, my other aunt, they know music inside and out. So you know that when you make a mistake, they they heard it. And while they never point it out to you, you're like, oh, dang it. You know, it's, it's one of those high pressure moments. And then you're like, oh, move on. Because as we say, the show must go on. But I think just being surrounded by professional musicians in this fun atmosphere where all we're all trying to do, cast, crew, orchestra, anybody is just bring some joy to people that are coming to see the show. And so just being able to be around people like that, who we all just want to have fun and it's, but, but they're, they're professional musicians. This is, you know, this is what they do and they are just easygoing, fun, lighthearted. There's a lot of antics that happens in an orchestra pit during a show. And I've seen a lot of them. (laughs) I've been a part of them. Um, Probably one of the worst moments that I can recall was in a, in an orchestra pit that my aunt Mary was conducting and I took a picture with my camera and the flash went off in the middle of a show. Oh, like the look you get from the, from the podium and you're like, Oh man, am I ever in trouble? Luckily it was fine. No one noticed, but it's that moment of like, Oh, well, my heart just stopped. And now what do we do? <laughs> but um, yeah, I think, I think just the magic of what an orchestra can produce, you know, you get 12 to 20 musicians in a space and it's just, it's incredible. Mary's going to listen back to this and you're going to hear about it all over again at Thanksgiving. That's what's She'll going to know happen. exactly what I was talking about. She will know. <laughs> oh, that's so great. Um, any uh, other particular memorable roles or um, experiences that you've had out on the Muni stage, backstage, whatever the case may be? I think one of my favorite memories from Rent uh, when it was most recently done was the director, Mac Warren at the time, asked us, hey, during this last number, we really want to make this an inclusive number. We want you, and there was three interpreters that time because because of how the cast interacted, that we want you on stage with us. So in that last number, when we're all just, everyone's just giving it their all and they're pouring their hearts out, we got to come on stage and interact with the cast and just be part of that. And that was just really fun. It, I mean, it brought more attention to what we were doing as an enhancement to the show, but it also just included us and it just, it just encompasses that family feeling and it, it was awesome. And that's so cool because about that same time, I guess it was maybe a couple of years later, there was the uh, Broadway performances of Spring Awakening that was done uh, essentially through interpretation. And so it's just really cool to see that level of inclusivity, uh, hopefully becoming more the norm within the yeah. theater community uh, at large. So that's that's just also wonderful. We do use some uh, phrases when we start to discuss and talk about Muni. And one of them I want to go to right away with you. We've already kind of discussed your Muni family and the musicians that you have in your family, the talent that you have uh, in your family. But what is the phrase, the greater phrase Muni family? What does that mean to you? Yeah, like you said, obviously, it quite literally is family for me, all the way from my, my parents to my aunts and uncles and to my brother, but also I just have to touch base on my grandma and grandpa, which I know my mom and my aunts have touched on, but their love and their encouragement of theater and just getting involved with music is really what, what grew all of us. And so I just, I have to touch on that because seeing them hanging out watching over the pit wall or watching them sit on their side of the stage where they always sat every season with their season tickets and their box of popcorn. 
I can picture it vividly. Their jackets, grandpa's yellow jacket, grandma's blue jacket. It's you, that's just your family is there, and that's your family's safe space. Um, otherwise, though, there are you know Doug Hahn. I refer to him as Uncle Doug, and Katie Miller, who I interpret with, she is essentially my sister that I never had. Um, I can think of people like the Cartwrights and the Homas and John Keen and Anna Bussing Meisenbacher and all those people who I grew up with, but then also that my family grew up with. And we, we all are now one giant family because we're all connected and all together. Mm, that's all wonderful. So we also use the phrase Muni magic uh, to describe what might go on out at the site. What does that have uh, as far as a meaning to you? Besides carrying my magic fairy dust around in my pocket from every show, apparently, that <laughs> Most, I participated in. Quite literally, in. <laughs> you have literally, magic all yes. the time. <laughs> um, I would say it is just, it's really, really cool to see so many different people from so many different walks doing so many different things. So you have your house manager who's making sure up front is running smoothly. You have concessions, you have backstage, you have sight, um, excuse me, lights and sound. And watching all of those random intricate pieces come together as one and create this beautiful production of something and getting to show it to people who ultimately like we're all just trying to make people smile and have a couple hours of joy and a couple hours of fun and so watching that come is really it it's just one of my favorite things that that to me is beauty magic it makes your summer right yes sure. absolutely it is my summer home and it makes me happy <laughs> We, you've already mentioned some of the names of the folks that you've had a chance to work with, but we like to take a moment to kind of acknowledge some of the special people you may have worked with that you want to mention. And I, I know that you interact with hundreds of people within the theater community, and this is a very unfair question, but are there some people that you wanted to acknowledge as having kind of a special place as far as uh, your role in Muni? Yeah, absolutely. Um, as far as my role in Muni, I would, I would again, just call out my family, my mom, Deb Watts, Elliot, my aunts, Rebecca and Mary and, um, and my grandparents. And then I would have to say my brother, just because anytime that I am in interpreting and he's playing the drums along with Mary, I get a nice little rim shot during introduction. So that's always fun because it's that nice little vote of confidence. You know, you got someone in your corner who's encouraging you. Um, but as far as other people who I, I have to say, Katie, I mean, she, she brought me in and, um, just said, Hey, you want to do this with me? And it, and that was it. Like, I just kind of, I jumped in. Um, so yeah, I think, I think who I mentioned previously and, and yes, I do interact with a lot of them and I love them all. That's, that's what, like you said, that is the family. That's the part that's so much fun. I can't wait to go out there every summer and be like, I haven't seen you all year. Hello. And, you know, you just, you just hold each other in hugs and you just, you catch up and it's, it's fun. So I know you mentioned the uh, photography incident, sorry, Mary, um, but <laughs> you have been involved in a number of shows. You've been able to see it from a different perspective. Has there, Jacob really likes to ask this fun question about when things go awry. Are there any fun stories that you have of that whole idea that the show must go on other than maybe you, uh, you know, having your flash go off in front of the whole audience? Like <laughs> yeah, other, other than taking a picture from the pit in the middle of a show. Um, <laughs> sometimes interpreting the light does our light doesn't come on so we're standing there waving our arms around in the dark and no one can see anything that's happening but you just calmly excuse yourself head up to the light tower and say hey can we have our spotlight and they're like you know everyone's always apologetic but it's it's one of those like really can't see if anybody's looking at us um as far as orchestra spots go you know i don't want to get in too much trouble with my aunt mary but there are times when we get distracted by what is happening on the stage or by 
someone dancing in the pit. I, I don't know. And then we miss a cue line and then the whole orchestra is like, Whoa, and we're struggling and we're, we're trying to catch up and, and get a song started because someone has said the cue line and then there's just silence. And so, um, it's, it's always a fun story afterward, but in the moment it is terrifying. <laughs> so someone comes to you and says, I'm looking to get involved in theater locally, or I want to volunteer for an organization. And I'm thinking about the Muni. What is it that you tell them about that experience or what advice do you give to them about um, becoming involved? Yeah, absolutely. Um, if someone specifically brought up the Muni, I would encourage it. If someone asked, obviously the Muni would be one of my first suggestions and just to say come hang out come see a show and if you're intrigued from there let's take a backstage tour let's go up to the concession stand and talk to people that run that do you have a group that you want to volunteer with your church a kids basketball team something like that because there are so many opportunities and such a wide variety of things you can do out at the muni um but i i absolutely would just encourage just come talk to the people that are out there because we're there because we love it so let us show you the best parts of it and and help you get involved if you can believe it, we're already starting to wrap up. So I need to yeah. ask if you have any other stories or anything that you wanted to mention before I ask you a final question. I can only think of a couple other funny things um, that just includes random flying bugs, frogs on musical instruments, um, sometimes raccoons. You never know what you're going to find. Um, killing the occasional spider for my brother in the pit. Uh, that's those are the those are the only funny other things that I have to mention. So no, I'm set. Gabe's not really into spiders. Gabe is far from into spiders, and it is a <laughs> a, a widely known fact. Jerry um, Frache also points that out to Gabe frequently. Um, a lot of, yes, a lot of people know that Gabe is not into spiders. <laughs> okay, that's good. That, I fine, didn't know fine that. Insect, that's great. Flying insects he can do, spiders he cannot. So, yeah. <laughs> I am the exact opposite because the flying insects can come at you faster, right? You can get away from a spider. I 100% anyway, agree. That's a whole nother podcast. So, <laughs> um, final question, and it ties into a lot of what we've already spoken about uh, earlier, but for you, what makes the Muni a special place? Yeah, I was trying to think about this question and really it's it's parking in the parking lot and walking down the hill and just walking that path and seeing there's the Muni sign, there's, you know, Broadway under the stars, here it is. And here we are and you're that feeling you get when you're walking down the hill before a show, be it as an orchestra member, as a cast member, about to interpret, whatever it is, it's just arriving on site and knowing, okay, it's about to happen. Here we go. And then conversely at the end when you're walking up the hill and you're like there that was amazing we just did it and, and we're done and we get, either get to do it tomorrow night or that was the last show and man I'm really gonna miss this but it's just that feeling that you get when you when you get to the site I am excited too because uh, both of us are young parents and uh, to see that next generation of Muni come up to I'm excited for it of course I'm sure that all of us uh, involved are thinking we aren't going to push it on our children, but at the same time, uh, coming from a musical family like you, I, I can't imagine a Muni without them. So <laughs> we'll see what I happens hope, right? in the future. Yes. Yeah, someday. that's right. Well, thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure to get to catch up with you. And I can't wait to see the next time you're interpreting out there or next time that you're in the pit. So thank you for all that you do. Thanks, Craig. It's been my pleasure. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Muni Oral History Project. This is an ongoing effort to capture the memories and stories of the Springfield Municipal Opera. If you have pictures, videos, or stories you'd like to contribute to this effort, please email history at themuni.org. Your hosts have been Jacob Potty and Craig McFarland. Production assistance by Vanessa Ferguson and Jeremy Geckner. 
Special thank you to the Muni Board of Managers and the Muni Board of Trustees for their support in this effort. And thank you to all the Muni family who continue to help us create magic every summer.